Welcome to this episode of the Outfront Podcast with host Vince Noble, the podcast that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. For sponsorship and advertisement opportunities, please contact info at nobleresolutions.com. And now, your host, Vince Noble. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you who is stepping into your authentic power today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outfront Podcast, the show that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. I am your host, Vince Noble. Hey, I am super excited today. We have an amazing guest in this episode. He is absolutely an incredible individual that I believe will inspire those looking to level up and start their own business in the tech space. We have with us today, Mr. Desmond Wigan. He is the CEO and co-founder at the Battery Exchange. Today, we'll be talking about innovation and business, navigating the early stages of a startup without big investors, and so much more. We have a lot to unpack in this episode, so let's go. Desmond, welcome to the show today. Man, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. The pleasure is all mine. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Hey, Desmond, as always, I always start, you know, by saying, um, for those who may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, what was your early childhood and influences like? Because I believe there is so much value in our earlier lives to individuals who we may be mentoring, coaching, or training in some way that is often overlooked. Yeah, and that's a really good perspective. Um, so, you know, now I am a um, actually a new dad, you know, entrepreneur, business owner, um, you know, married, um, just kind of going into this next phase of life of, you know, exactly what I've been, you know, kind of working towards for like the last you know, 30 years of my life, to be honest, to, um, you know, set my family up. But, um, you know, family, you know, culture was super huge just kind of growing up. So my, my family's um, from Jamaica and then my parents moved um, to New York and then that's where they had me. Um, so I've always been, you know, a, a big um, advocate or just like I, I love to be immersed in like culture, like growing up in New York is just like you, you know, I'll be in one area where, you know, it's a Jamaican area, then, you know, a Puerto Rican area. And it's just like such a mix of cultures that you just learn so much about people. And I, that's something that I really, really love growing up. Um, I started running track and field when I was younger. And I think that's where I started to learn that grit. Um, you know, one of the things I say about track and field and cross country is compared to other sports, 
you know, what we did on an everyday basis um, is what people did when, you know, they got in trouble. You know, you, you drop a pass or you do something wrong in a basketball court, like you go run. And we literally did that day in and day out. And for me, um, it was love. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was the hunger. Um, I kind of miss it sometimes, you know, but now I kind of cultivate that to my business. But um, just doing that and, you know, really family oriented. Um, me and my parents are really, really close. I have a younger brother. Um, that I've always tried to, you know, kind of show show the the way, you know, as far as life and making, you know, good decisions and, you know, going to college and doing these different things. But um, as far as influences, I definitely say my coaches, um, those individuals have always come into my life as, as mentors as well. Um, and then individuals just in my family circles, um, you know, friends of my dad, friends of, you know, uncles and aunts, they always... Uh, I spent time, a lot of time with them because I always you know, wanted to immerse myself with older people because they had that wisdom, you know, things that I could learn from. So um, that's a little bit about my childhood and, you know, some of the influences I had. But I've always been a dreamer. Um, I've always been, I feel, entrepreneurial minded and just like, you know, kind of take something and, and, and make it happen and then also like lead people while doing that. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's wonderful, Desmond. You know, you know, there are many, you know, people that you know talk next level stuff. However, in truth, you know, they're really not willing to do next level stuff. And that's the discipline that I believe to go along with that. And so there's there's a huge gap oftentimes between talking about it and actually being about it. And I understand you made a commitment early on in your career to study abroad, you know, away from your family for two years. Being that you say family was, you know, you know, a big deal, a huge part of you, but you made a commitment early on to to study abroad from your family for two years in China. Tell, tell us a little bit about that ex- experience, and more specifically, what was you thinking at the time you made that decision to move to China? Man, a great, great, uh, you know, sum up and you know, just question to be honest and honestly, I equate the move to China is probably like the most impactful thing in my life. Um, to be honest, as far as like how the trajectory of my career, um, and experience went, but for me, you know, I was, uh, you know, I graduated, I went to Winston-Salem state undergrad and, you know, loved my time there, but I was kind of structured into the mindset of going into corporate. So I jumped in there, um, you know, was, kind of honestly on a fast track to like a VP position, which, which was cool because, you know, money, you know, I'm 23, 24. I'm managing a team of like 30 people, got a lot of responsibility, but I still feel, felt stifled. I felt like there was more that I could give to the world. And then going back to your point, um, you know, two things I always wanted to do was, was travel, you know, and um, get my MBA and see the world, you know? And so, the opportunity that presented itself to go to China was, I mean, it was, it was kind of something that I couldn't pass up, but it was also like, I understood the sacrifice and I actually had just proposed to my now wife. And like, we were kind of going into this next phase, but I was really big on, you know, like, babe, like this is, this is what's, you know, I've been waiting for. This is, um, you know, going to be a game changing, life changing moment, not just for me, but, but for my life, my, for my family, you know, not just for us, but like my parents and my, our kids and stuff like that. And so I always f- 
felt, you know, just growing up, there was something that I was going to be called to do. And I felt like this was just that first, well, one of the, 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 the beginning stages of just like, honestly, not knowing anybody in China, not, not even speaking the language. Um, and just, you know, having the, um, just the ability to just take that risk and just like my, my mom growing up, she always told me like, you could do whatever you put your mind to, you know, and I, I really exuded that day in and day out, even when I was nervous. So I just, you know, continued that mentality, um, and exuded that, as, you know, just kind of making this transition. And then, you know, I, I went over there and, and honestly, I thrived. Um, and, you know, I tried my best and it was tough. I missed, you know, time with my, my little brother um, going through, you know, his latter part of high school, um, which was really important. Um, you know, my my wife. Right. We were actually we had just got married, actually. So I proposed, got married and then went off to China. You know, so the first two years of our marriage, you know, I was I was gone. But um, I just I just knew that, you know, there was a bigger picture and I'm, I'm really spiritually led. Um, so I prayed about it a lot and, you know, made sure that that was going to be the right decision. Um, and I wasn't going to make a mistake. And I think, you know, as I look back in retrospect now, I, I think it was the best move for me. Absolutely. One of the things you said, Desmond, that I went over there and I thrived. And so I think I think oftentimes, you know, when we challenge ourselves and push ourselves to sort of step outside of that comfort zone. And so I could speak to the very thing that it's been oftentimes in my own personal life as well and professional life. When I challenged myself to get outside of my comfort zone, that's when I experienced my greatest increases. Mm -hmm. So what would you say um, to that individual that's sort of dealing with some apprehension, some fear, with getting outside of their comfort zone? What what type of words of encouragement, what would you say to that individual that's that's on the, the very edge of making that very big lifelong decision? Do it while you're scared. I think, honestly, I'm still living that that motto, that motive. Um, a lot of people see me now and think I kind of like have it all figured out, but I, I still get frightened. I was actually just joking with my wife. We have this big event that's coming up um, in a few weeks, um, an investor summit virtually, and, I, and I'm nervous. And like we have everything together, but it's just like it's something that hasn't been done. And, you know, I'm putting the company and myself in a position that you know, is different. And so um, I, I think that's just like, you know, if you want to find out how, you know, your, your ultimate, you know, power, you know, your ultimate being, you want to be your greatest self, um, you got to do it while you're fearful, got to do it while you're scared, because as long as you can prepare and, you know, do all that you could do, the universe kind of gives it back to you to, to where it's like when you're in those spaces or you take those risks, you take those chances, honestly, it's probably not going to be as bad as you thought it was going to be, you know? And so like, even though you go through that, you still get nervous, but um, I always tell people to, to do it while they're scared and, you know, be, be open because sometimes it doesn't go as planned, but just always try to use a perspective of I'm going into this to learn. And when you go in with that perspective, however it goes, um, you're going to walk away with something that's that's tangible that can either help you um, in, in, in the current setting or maybe it's for something later on down the road that is going to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, undoubtedly, you know, this is a tough season for so many people and many are seeking clarity and inspiration and, and actionable steps and tools to to sort of help them navigate, if you will. 
um, with much different organizational practices and protocols during these extraordinary times. I have to ask you, you know, even from a leader perspective, how are you doing in terms of your spiritual, mental, physical, your emotional well-being? And what encouragement and or advice would you give to those that are in truth mentally taxed trying to navigate the day-to-day operations, you know, of a business in this COVID-19 environment? Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I think that we all could use some sort of encouragement right now. Right now it's tough. Um, it doesn't, even Jeff Bezos is going through something right now, right? Like there's so like many unanswered questions about what the future holds. And, you know, at this time you really got to find that, that peace. Um, so, you know, before I get into like, you know, motivating others, what I do is I, I try to find that alignment. So I'm, I'm really big on like mental health. Um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, a therapy sessions or having, you know, the right individuals that I could call up on or, you know, text and just like, you know, share my, myself with, um, I'm, I'm really big on that. I'm big on, you know, meditation. Um, that's how I kind of start my day off, you know, and it's, it's even more needed right now because the days are like so long cause you're in the house and it's quarantine and stuff like that. Um, so you know, I think just finding that that peace in that space on the spiritual side, um, you know, I, I think spirituality is all about finding that connection to the that core foundation, you know, finding that what's, what's that driver, what leads you. Um, so, you know, finding a way to connect with that. So for me, you know, um, I'm, I'm really probably more in tune with my church uh, now more than ever, um, you know, because I'm not able to be there physically and that physical presence just does something to you. And luckily my church does, you know, virtual, virtual sermons and stuff like that. But, you know, if there's smaller groups where individuals are getting together on um, prayer circles and stuff like that, like I, I, I try to get in those because those help me just like stay motivated and, and, and stay focused and understanding that like this is something that's going to pass over time. And then on the physical side, um, being active, um, you know, making sure you're getting out, um, going on walks, you know, um, I, I pretty much made a, built a gym in my, um, you know, my uh, garage now. So I'm like in there working, sweating and, you know, making sure that I didn't mess up the rhythm that I had when I was just like, you know, walking to the office or, you know, going across town to go to different meetings and then finding time to work out. Um, and then just the emotional side is just, again, kind of finding that peace, um, that balance, you know, whatever that that driver is for you, just tying that into it um, and being open to like being down sometimes, like not holding it in anymore. I think, you know, we especially as men and leaders, we feel that we can't be human. And I feel like that's one thing that I've tried to do throughout COVID is just showcase, you know, humility and then just just me being human, like. I don't know it all. I don't have it all. I don't have it all together. And that's okay. But when I'm on my A game, you know, you're going to get 110% of Desmond, you know? And so I think, you know, if anybody could be inspired from any one of those things. um, And then the other uh, aspect of it is just like, you know, spending this time to, to find out who you really are without the craziness, you know, the, the hustle and bustle of, of life, because, you know, hopefully COVID, you know, at least, kind of, you know, fades away a little bit um, over the next year or so. So things I would presume 
would get back, you know, to what we call normal or just like a different breed where we're just kind of moving, traveling, doing all these things. But I think now is the time to look inside and see who you want to be over the next 10 to 20 years. You know, like what what goals do you have? You know, what, um, you know, relationships you want to build um, and, and, and just really being able to sit back and just look at it all and just say, like, I could still accomplish that, but but now is the time for me, you know, and not, I feel like even with the hustle and bustle of life, we we spread ourselves too thin and we don't take care of ourselves like we need to. So I think COVID as a, you know, a blessing in disguise and just a real optimistic person, just seeing the beauty in it all. I think a lot of people are now getting that time to, to look within and, you know, just realize some things. And that's awesome, Desmond. I mean, There's probably... <laughs> probably perhaps 10 or 15 golden nuggets and all of that, which you said. And, you know, I think it's important getting back to it or finding for some, um, you know, what's, what's truly important to them, finding, finding that balance and, and finding out what routine or mechanism or process that keeps you focused on the why mm-hmm. is important. So what, what would you speak to that why? How is important is that why to kind of motivate you, the days you don't feel like getting up, the days you don't feel like doing the things that you know that you should be doing? How important is that why in your life? I mean, it's, 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 it's like even this week, this week was tough. Like, I just know that I'm, I'm doing something that's bigger than me. And I think like that why, especially on a business sense, um, you know, I, I feel like I have not only my family, you know, my community, you know, the culture. Um, one of the reasons I even went to, well, came back more so um, and, you know, just going to China was to to show, you know, people that come from my communities that are African-American of what the other side of the world is actually like. Right. And to expose them. Um, and, you know, I think throughout that, I started to, to realize that, you know, I've become a voice. Um, so, you know, when you have that in your, your ear in the morning, it's just like, even though you're tired, you got to keep going. Um, and you, you just got to, on the days that are, you know, tougher than others, um, that's why you have to be really, you know, I'm really efficient as far as like just understanding my schedule. Um, I live by my calendar, um, you know, my to do's, um, and, and just kind of knocking off there because it's not even like the motivation that drives you th- through that, but the redundancy and just knowing, you have a, you know, a schedule or habits or things that you have to accomplish. You just kind of go through the motion some days, you know, but you're still moving forward um, and being productive. So I, I think that driver is just like, you know, my community on my back, my family on my back, just knowing that I'm, I'm driving, I'm building a company that in essence could impact the lives of so many people in so many different ways. And the things that I'm learning, I'm able to share with others. So I think like that, that why, it's, it's, it's something you can't pass up. It's going to get you out of the bed. You know, it's going to get you, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Like I'm waking up like three, four o'clock in the morning and having some of my best thoughts or like strategic sessions. And again, that's, that's the driver. It's just like, man, I'm up because my community needs these thoughts to get on paper so that I can implement them in my business or connect with this other individual. So um, that's what kind of drives me. Yeah, that's awesome, Des. So after spending those two years in in, in China, um, what was your transition like coming back to the U.S.? And and did you have this immediate plan to start up a business? Well, so I actually started a business in China. Well, the idea came about in China. And so 
Coming back from China was actually very difficult because I didn't half do going to China. Like I fully immersed myself. Like I I learned the the culture because I felt like if I could learn the people, I could learn the methodologies and the thought process, and that led into how they think in business. And you know, I had you know friends, communities that supported me. Um, built a really solid network. So, you know, I was there, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, all that. And then I had gotten so used to, you know, a society that is open to taking risks, um, really, really big on culture. And then, you know, coming back to America and just like where America was at in like, I think it was like 2018 or whatever. It was just a weird dynamic that I had just saw from afar for a while. So coming back was quite difficult, um, even in my ecosystem in the technology sector, uh, just not seeing things happen as much as, you know, as quick as it did. Like I used to be in like Shanghai, Beijing. I mean, some of the bigger ecosystems in, in the world, like up there with like Silicon and Tel Aviv. And so, um, you know, coming back and being in like a, a second tier ecosystem was, uh, you know, just different. Um, and then just seeing how things, you know, maneuvered. Then, you know, I had gotten like me and my co-founder, like the way we came up with the idea um, to to bring it in perspective, battery exchanges. um, You know, we connect people, businesses um, through a random platform where we provide on demand portable batteries. Right. And so the the reason why we came up with it is because like we were kind of out and about one day um, and in China, just, you know, from traveling all day and then ran into an inconvenience of having a, a low well, his battery was dead and then mine was like really, really low and we didn't have time to like charge our phone. But like, that's the only way we could get back to school. That's what connected us to things. And we were just like, man, there has to be a more convenient way to to charge your phone on the move. Right. To, to mo- be mobile and have autonomy over your charging. Right. It's something we take for granted. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of coming back, I, I felt like there was a huge opportunity in the, in the marketplace with the competitors that I saw weren't doing a really good job. And then, you know, some, some of the things that we wanted to build over time, I think um, it, it was just a good opportunity, but again, like reimmersing myself in, in America as a black man was tough and it was different, but um, you know, over the, you know, I had, I had, you know, the right support of, you know, people that accepted me um, and, and kind of showed me the way. And then I was able to, you know, kind of, um, kind of figure it out for myself, but that's what the transition was like. So you were sort of motivated by that China experience to sort of create the company. But going further back than that, where you sort of, um, you know, always had these ambitions on starting your own company in some way. Yeah, I knew it was in me. So um, going back to, you know, some of the important things, right, family. Um, My dad is an entrepreneur, um, so he's more on the finance side. But I was really, really good at track and field when I was young, um, even at the age of like 12. Um, I was like ranked second in the nation. Um, and he would travel a lot with me. Um, and you know, he'd still be able to work on the road. And so I I saw that and I knew how important family was. And I was just like, man, I want to do that. And then, you know, I also learned about my granddad that, you know, passed away, um, while my mom was actually pregnant. Um, but some of the sacrifices he made from leaving his job or getting fired, honestly. And, um, well, getting let go and then having to be an entrepreneur and like figure it out for himself. So I, I feel like it was ingrained within within my blood, within the culture. Um, and then, you know, growing up, I just had some really, really cool people, uh, mentors that, you know, 
exposed me to the world of entrepreneurship. So I knew it was a area that I wanted to go to. I just didn't know when. Um, and then, you know, when the time came, I, uh, I was ready to, you know, just dive in uh, full force. So what, what were one of your biggest mistakes in business and how did you deal with it? Yeah. Um, so I think like, so I started a few companies um, when I was actually working corporate. And I, honestly, like some people could do it. I think some of the things that I was trying to do, I think one of my biggest mistakes was thinking that I could balance the nine to five because of how much, you know, they had asked of me, you know, with that, you know, with that position and then thinking I could like run this company. Um, it just wasn't a good balance. And I think like I, I did learn, honestly, like our success today has to do with the failures of those other companies and like, you know, going through and learning what a what a team dynamic needs to look like. We're um, understanding like how your corporate structure should be set up. You know, the legal entity that you need to have, like the financials, all these different things that I just learned that I didn't have in those other companies were all of you know a big part of like why we're even at this point two years later, to be honest. But um, I think that was my biggest thing, thinking that I could balance, and that's kind of why I made that that transition to China too. It was just like. I knew I wanted to get in tech, tech, like big time. And like China was leading, you know, globally in uh, various elements in tech. So immersing myself there. And then it was just like, man, once I get this MBA, I'm, I'm kind of not going to look back um, at any more corporate roles unless it's consultant work. But um, it was just like, you know, I'm going I'm to go ahead and be full time, full fledged and committed to building this company from zero to one to one to two to, you know, 10 years from now, give or take. So, so what insights would you share with those that sort of struggling around and seeking to start a business venture without heavy outside investors? You know, one of the things that has been the most successful and I'm a big advocate for it now is leveraging like your micro ecosystems um, to, to, in essence, you know, move forward. And what I mean by that in tech, particularly you know, a lot of people traditionally would go to like Silicon Valley or like the Austin. So like these big ecosystems and they would do this thing called like a roadshow. They would travel to different VC companies and, you know, get a, a million no's and hope that they get that one yes. Um, and it, it just wasn't a, a real efficient. And then systematically, honestly, it's it's not built for for all types of you know people without different networks and stuff. And so. One of the things we did was, you know, while we were growing, honestly, we, we were so unconventional in the beginning of starting Battery Exchange that it worked in our favor. Like we would share stuff on social media that I think a lot of startups wouldn't. They would kind of tiptoe because it wasn't perfect. And so that's one of the things of, you know, build a community while you're still figuring it out because people appreciate that. And so what we were able to do with that community that we had built of a couple hundred people from, I mean, my university, my fraternity, um, our, you know, just several areas of our network, we were able to now activate those people as investors through this thing called crowdfunding. And so even though you don't have, you know, all these, you know, hefty investors that can invest, you know, 100K in your company, but you got a couple of people that could like, for example, minimum investment of 250 bucks, like people could do that, you know? And so if you get a lot of those people 
um, and you have, you know, your, your deck and you have your financials and you have things that you could share with them. I think that's a really good opportunity to, uh, you know, raise capital um, and not go to these like big wigs. Um, another, I call it a hustle as an entrepreneur and as a founder, but, you know, pitch competitions, accelerator programs, right? So pitch competitions, you know, in essence, you're, you're pitching your company to a um, typically some investors that, you know, have not necessarily from them, but maybe it's an organization that, you know, $5,000, $10,000 for a winner uh, of the pitch competition. And literally we won a couple of those. And that was, that was before we even did the crowdfund that gave us some, you know, just a little bit of money to be able to build out an MVP. Um, another thing that we've been able to do too is become a part of, you know, early stage accelerator programs. And a lot of times they have pitch competitions at the end and, or, opportunities for them to invest in you. And so throughout this time of learning from these accelerator companies, like go to market strategies, you know, business modeling, you know, um, all these different like, um, you know, foundational pieces in order to have a well-structured business, um, then you get the opportunity of capital as well. So I think there's a lot of um, really big ways to, in essence, like get funds. Um, And then honestly, depending on like, you know, some other opportunities, not saying go in debt, but like there's loan opportunities. I think like, especially in the African-American culture, like, you know, um, if you've done a decent, you know, job of on in the credit side, um, that's an opportunity as well, especially like if you're a product company. Um, and I think there's some intentional initiatives for, you know, startups or like companies that are a little bit early stage now. So I, we've exhausted all of those opportunities to kind of get to this point. Mm-hmm. So, so from a corporate perspective, you know, what has been some of your biggest challenges in terms of, you know, scaling your business and what is it that sets battery exchange apart from other growing number of tech companies? You, you're, you're in the water with a million other fish, right? So it's, it's hard to get the attention of investors or potential partnerships um, you know, one of the things I hang my hat on, you know, is is relationships and, you know, nurturing those um, and, you know, never meeting a stranger, so to speak. And I, I utilize that to, to get in the right doors to where, you know, we get opportunities presented that other, you know, potential companies may have not, you know. And so I, I use that to my advantage. Um, and then just really understanding, you know, I, just really being like being able to articulate where you want to go. I think a lot of, there's a lot of muddy water um, when you think about just companies, you know, thinking they're solving a problem, but did they do enough research, right? Or did they do enough customer discovery, you know, different things like that. And so um, just just being ticked and tied, um, but on a scaling perspective, it, it, a lot of it does come down to capital. But I think another big part of it, what I've learned, and I'd probably hang my hat on this to motivate people to get on this as early as possible. A lot of people are scared to share their idea, right? And I feel like when I've been able to share my idea, those are now individuals that work with me, right? They, they're my team members. You know, they're now running, you know, sales. They're now heading up product. They're now running HR for us. And um, I think that's one of the biggest things as far as scaling because, me and my co-founder, we used to have to do it all. Like literally we were the HR people, we were the sales people. And now, you know, cultivating this team 
um, we're able to scale efficiently and effectively because we brought in smart people that, you know, help us get to, to the common goal, which is to, to grow batter exchange to the next level and getting through these phases and, you know, putting out really, really good product. But I think, you know, just the what sets us apart is um, honestly our team, our, our grit. I, I think it's 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 unlike others that I've seen. Um, I, and honestly, me as a founder, I, I say that, too. Like, I, I don't think there's many founders that can can work as hard as I'm, I'm working, like I'm putting in not even just hours, like just really being strategic on things. And, you know, I, I am spiritually led. So, I, you know, I pray on a lot of things and. You know, I, I, I get a lot of open doors and blessings from that way. Um, but I, I think that a lot of it is just really understanding the game. And this is not my first go round, you know. So um, another thing that we hang our hat on, too, is just like being industry experts, like really understanding the game, understanding the, the ecosystems, understanding how to, you know, utilize those in order to help you move forward. And I just don't see enough startups or like early stage companies kind of doing that. Um, and that's why we, we kind of move forward outside of just like having a really good product. Um, and then I think we're, we're solving a really cool problem um, in, in some areas and we're, we're building something that hasn't been done. Um, I want to create this, this ecosystem of, you know, smart kiosks, smart products, smart connectivity. And there's so many ways that, you know, lives are going to be changed with, with the products and the, the platforms that will come um, up with over the next few years. So so where do you say you see value exchange in the next, say, 10 years or so? So I'd love for us to continue to, you know, uh, be putting out, you know, products. Um, if we're here in 10 years, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to IPO. I'm, I'm trying to be a public company. Um, we have gotten enough, you know, data, we've gotten enough users, we've gotten enough, um, you know, products that, you know, showcase reliability where individuals just come to us for things, whether it's information, whether it's payments or whatever it is. Um, so that's where I'd like to be in 10 years and, you know, really a well-oiled machine with, you know, not, not, you know, clawing for capital you know, where we got team members, we got people, that, that want to be a part of our culture. And that's something that we're, we're working on now, to be honest. Um, you know, culture is really, really important and I'm really intentional on it. So, um, you know, that's kind of what, where I see us in 10 years. So what, what technological advances or opportunities do you see emerging today for young people that may be designed to sort of penetrate the space? Well, I think that when it, it, even on a just being able to be in those spaces, I think one of the things that I really like, um, and I'm a, another big advocate of, you know, STEM, but more in particular, like, you know, tech, right? So um, when I think about, you know, seeing these coding camps for like young kids in like middle school and like elementary and stuff like that, like those are the individuals that are going to be like, changing the way and being a part of like i know we hear about like how machines are going to take over robots and all these different things like automation is going to be a real thing and like those are the individuals that are going to be you know building the products of like the future and so i think like as young people i think taking advantage of these these coding opportunities or these opportunities free opportunities sometimes sometimes you got to pay but sometimes they're just free like 
one day classes, one hour session or, you know, six week course, whatever it is. I think people should take advantage of that because especially, um, you know, the masses of individuals that are trying to, you know, change industries, you know, career shift. I think that getting versed in in various spaces within tech, um, it allows you to be that much more valuable because you're coming with like industry experience, but you're also coming with like a, a new skill set that can be utilized in the future. Um, and I think if you could cultivate that together, you're you're a bad man or you're a bad woman. That's you know, I'm 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 ready to hire you type of thing. You know, as long as you have a good attitude. So I think those are some of the like methodologies. But um, I mean, you see like data is big, you know, machine learning is big. Um, even in my my time in China, I was working for a firm that exposed me to a lot of this stuff. Um, blockchain, robotics, you know, any of those spaces that you can, you know, AI is a buzzword, but it's I mean, it's really a thing, you know. And so like any way you can kind of get into those spaces. And I think the biggest thing, too, that I want people to understand is like, being in tech is not about like you necessarily knowing how to code and develop all like it would be helpful. But one of the things that I, I'm a, I always want to like articulate is like if you come from an industry that, you know, I mean, you could be in healthcare, you could be in like transportation, like whatever it is. Um, if the, if you find a, a, a better way to do something to make it more efficient and that in essence could help a lot of other companies, a lot of other people like. All you got to do is like add some tech to it and find the right individuals in order to make that thing happen. And now you're pitching in front of investors, you know. And so I think a lot of times people think you got to be coders and developers and all that stuff. Like I was a business major. You know, I just saw an opportunity to take what I've learned, take what I know and implement it into something that I was trying to do as far as like impacting society. You know, and if you can do that within an industry, like you are onto something and you're, you're getting into the, what the, what the future is and you're, you're disrupting, right. You're disrupting what's already done and making it more efficient. Mm -hmm. So, so what are some of the biggest mistakes or misconceptions you see, you know, sort of other individuals or other startup companies make? Um, I think like people hold off on thinking that things need to be perfect before they go, man, you got to like figure it out with the product in the market, you know, like, and that's a big reason why we were, you know, so successful in the early stages. Cause like, honestly, our first prototype, honestly, our first, like the first time I showcased even like our first MVP, it was non-functional. I just wanted to showcase to people so that they could get the idea. And then the next one was a little bit more functional, but it wasn't what we have now, you know. And so I think a lot of people wait for things to be perfect. And like when you're waiting, there's possibly somebody with the same idea or a similar idea that's getting traction, you know, getting some user data that in essence is going to be a little bit more attractive as you pitch for money. Um, and then I think another you know, thing that I felt fault of this is thinking I had to do it by myself, right? Or like me and my founder, my co-founder, it's just us, right? Aubrey, like me and him was just like, man, we, this is how it's going to be. But nah, like you find people that share the passion that you share, you know, understand the problem that you're trying to solve and, and buy into it. And then you have to now entrust them, right? I actually just saw a quote on Twitter or something like that this morning. It was just like, you pretty much don't like have to like it's not that they have to earn your trust you give them trust outright and like that's where now they have an umbrella to hang on right and now they can like you know progress and move forward and so 
when you find individuals you can trust, um, you bring them in. And as I grow as a leader now, I used to think that it was, you know, my employees or the people that work with me giving me what I need to be successful. And now my my mindset is like, what can I provide to you in order for you to be successful? Right. Because like mm-hmm. if 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 I have resources that can help you move forward, like I, I do a lot of planning, you know, pitch decks and strategy and all these things. But if it's just in my mind or it's just on my computer, like if I'm not articulating and communicating it to you, like it's not useful and you're not getting everything that you need to be successful, you know, or utilizing my network. Like, do you need a mentor or, you know, do you need this? Do you need that? And just really, you know, having that relationship with individuals, I think that was, you know, and I'm still growing, so I don't have it perfect, you know? So when my team hears this, they, they don't say like, oh, Des, like this is, this is new for me, you know, but I understand it. And I wish somebody would have told me this earlier because man, we could have been six months or like on a leadership level, you know, I could have been a little bit more ahead of the game, but, um, those are some of the things that I would definitely, you know, that I see some of the mistakes that I've made and some startups that I, you know, I'm, I'm really in tune with the ecosystem that I just see people just kind of failing at. Well, you know, Desmond, I always say on this show that, you know, a huge part about this show is about inspiring, about positive winning mindsets, about being resilient, about demonstrating mental toughness and, and sort of growing through and learning to face adversity while we continue to lead, live, and win and fulfill our dreams. And so we truly, you know, bring guests to this show that I truly believe embody what this show is all about. And so you, my friend, you certainly embody what this show is all about. And I really appreciate you today. So listen, Desmond, we're in this segment of the show that we call Hot uh, hot Seat. And so where we ask a few random topics, um, that we ask. And so I, the first question I would ask, if, if you could turn back the time and talk to that 18 year old self, what would you say to him? Man, at 18, like it was, it was a, a different day and age, right? 12 years ago, it seemed like forever. But, um, I would say that you're, you are enough. Um, I feel like, you know, I've dealt with like self doubt at times or like, feeling like I wasn't ready for something, um, even though I just, I kept going, but like, if I didn't even have that doubt, you know, I could have been even better, you know, um, exuded on a higher level. So I, I just would have told myself constantly, like, you're enough, like you, you, you have it, like you're going in the right direction. Um, that's what I definitely would tell myself. Mm, that's awesome. So what's something people seem to misunderstand about Desmond? <laughs> I think like people see, you know, me as a real extroverted type of person. Um, but I have my times, you know, like, I mean, granted, like I, I'm a super, I, I love people, you know, relationships are really big for me. Um, but like, I also have that time where I'm just chill and quiet, you know, and I, I like sometimes I'm in atmospheres and people just like, dang, I thought you were this, like, whatever. I'm like, nah, like I, it's a balance. Like you can't mm-hmm. always be like that. You know, you got to find that time of, you know, just being one with yourself. And like, I've never felt the need to be the loudest one in the room, you know, at all, you know, but, you know, sometimes it's just like, just uh, again, you know, figuring out that balance and figuring out when I I don't need to speak, when I just need to listen, when I need to be away, when I just need to be to myself, you know, different things like that. Absolutely. 
So what has been your greatest personal achievement? I think now um, is, you know, just being a father, uh, you know, my, my son is six and a half weeks now, but um, I don't think I've ever felt like I've achieved anything until that happened. You know, like I've done some really cool things, but just being able to create, you know, help create, right? Like I was just a little part of the process, but um, to, to help create a, a whole human being, um, I think like I've never felt more gratifying and, you know, blessed in, in, in my life. Like, and I've been, I've won national championships, you know, I've, I've done some really cool things in business, but I think this is by far, you know, that feeling, even though he keeps us up, you know, every now and again, but that's the, that's the uh, part of the game, you know, you sign up for that part too. Absolutely. So what would you say has been your biggest failure and what did it teach you? You know what? I go back to like the the businesses, um, you know that that weren't successful. Um, it it like those. It were times where I just knew this was it. You know, like this is what you know. I remember I was going to like Jamaica. I was gonna move down there and like you know start this whole business and like it didn't work out. And you know, I, I felt like it taught me to just always be confident and my ability and like my thought process and like, you know, it just honestly taught me how to be a, a entrepreneur. It, it taught me how to be, how to really be tough, like how to really be committed and emotionally invested, like telling my, my, my now wife's parents that I'm doing this. And then, you know, then like I didn't, I wasn't able to, you know, just having that grit, having that ability to come up with another idea and have the humility to say, I, nah, I think this is it, you know, and, and not be embarrassed, but just be like, you know, this is who Desmond is. Like, I'm a, I'm a go-getter and like, I'm a, maybe it wasn't that, maybe it's this, or maybe it's the next thing, but I know what I'm going to do in life and how I'm going to impact and leave a staple in society, you know, for, forevermore. So. That's awesome there. So my last question would be, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Um, you know, I, I work really, really hard and when I'm able to really reach my goals and surprise myself, like, man, I'm on top of the world. It's like, you know, even like one of the biggest things that was the scariest things was this whole crowdfund thing, because within my region in North Carolina, nobody had raised, you know, money from the crowd like that. Um, it was something they just did on the West coast. Then, you know, my network, was African-Americans, you know, individuals that were in my communities. And, you know, the narrative is like they don't invest, you know, their money in, in, in different things. And, you know, being able to do that and having like 90 percent of our investors be African-Americans. I mean, that's something that, you know, is it, it was more gratifying on the back end because, you know, we activated this new ecosystem of, you know, investors. But also like we were able to accomplish our goals. We had milestones we wanted to hit. And we hit them and it was just like I never felt, you know, that just like, dang, we actually did it because I fell so much, you know. And so that's always when I feel like I'm at my best, you know. Um, but also, you know, going back to like that whole meditation aspect, just that alignment. When when I could align each and every day, I'm good. I'm gonna have a really productive day, even if it's gonna be hard. When I do miss those days and like I'm rushing in the morning and I don't get to meditate, I'm 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 gonna have a bad day. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be 
who Desmond needs to be from our community. And that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm super intentional on and, and make sure that I'm aligned. I'm at, at peace starting my day and then ending my night as well. So Desmond, before we go, how can people find out more about, you know, the bad exchange products and services? Yeah, so on our website, um, um, www.batteryexchange, uh, and that's with an X, no E, um, dot .co. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're pretty active on uh, Instagram, um, batteryexchange underscore, Twitter is the same handle. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that's for the most part. You, you can, even on our website, um, you can sign up for our newsletter um and and get in tune we do like a monthly newsletter of just like what's going on um and then we also have an event coming up in um not sure when this will go out but october 6th um at 6 p.m we have a virtual event um virtual summit that we have coming up um and we're gonna you know showcase some really really cool things the innovation that we've been able to come up with on my thought process and you know pivoting through covid um all of those things and my, my hope is that you know people are inspired you know, people want to invest, but people also just want to support um, and spread the word on what we're building as a brand. Absolutely. So Desmond, listen, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, it has certainly been my pleasure. And, uh, you know, you are certainly one of those emerging leaders to keep your eyes on. And so please come back and visit us soon. And when you do, uh, perhaps it's in a different environment, you can swing by and bring us some of that good jerk chicken. Hey, hey, love it, love it, definitely. <laughs> I, hold me to it, hold me to it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So thanks, everyone, for staying with us. Certainly hope that you enjoyed today's episode. So make sure you join our Facebook group, Out Front with Vince Noble. And don't forget to comment, rate, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast. Until next time, remember, you still get the right your life story.